many, many years ago, before kids, rescue animals, a mortgage, and a husband, I was a travel writer in Europe. I did most of my trips alone, and this story is about the first time that I visited Prague. I'd never been to Prague before, and the trip was last minute, so I had little time to prepare. My travel partner had dumped me in another country, and I was determined to make the best of the trip by visiting a place I'd never been. Upon arrival at the train station, I visited the accommodation office and asked for a hostel not far from the center. In my early 20s, winging it was part of the fun. These days, though, I'm far less adventurous. The hostel they sent me to was a sprawling, crumbling, slate-gray Art Deco building on a nondescript street about 10 minutes from Stada Miesto. The inside was probably beautiful at one time, but by the time I checked in, it was full of shabby, mismatched furniture and cheap stained carpets. Most of the light fixtures were broken, leaving everything but the lobby dark and gloomy. It also smelled of standing water and dust. I found my way to my room, a double for just $12 a night, and made note of the fact that I had a roommate. She wasn't there, but on her side of the room was a suitcase, a dress neatly folded across the back of a plastic chair, scattering of makeup containers on a beat-up desk, and a stack of German fashion magazines on the bed. Being that I had no plans or goals on this impromptu trip, I decided to spend the afternoon exploring the Old Town Square, the Jewish Quarter, and Wenceslas Square. I purchased some Czech crystal for my mom and painted eggs from a street vendor for myself. I also made reservations for a sunset dinner cruise. At around 6 p.m., I returned to my room to shower, change clothes, and unload my purchases. When I left my room about an hour later, there was no indication that my roommate had returned at any point during the day. After the cruise, I stopped at a tiny bar on Tainska and had a glass of wine. I'd heard horror stories about the dangers of Prague, but I felt no more trepidation than I did in any other large city. Sure, the cobblestone streets, fog rolling off the Voltava, backlit Gothic architecture, and winding alleys made me think of Jack the Ripper and Dracula, but in a good way. It was nearly midnight when I returned to my hostel, so I was surprised to find that my roommate still hadn't returned. That wasn't uncommon, though. Backpackers are a fickle lot. She could have gone on a short overnight trip and just left her stuff behind, hooked up with a guy and was holed up at their place, or hanging out at another hostel. So I was surprised, but not concerned. I took another shower before bed. However, I was surprised to find that things in the room had changed upon my return. Her bed was neatly turned down, the magazines had moved to the nightstand, and the dress was gone. The strangest thing, though? was the addition of a pink silky nightgown spread across the bed. My bed. Maybe she thought she still had the room to herself. I didn't see how though. My shopping bags, clothes, and toiletries were in plain view. I gently moved the nightgown over to her bed and then settled in for the night as I wrote my journal. I assumed she was in the shower or somewhere nearby, so I expected her return shortly. After about an hour though, her side was still empty. I needed to use the restroom before I went to sleep, so I made one last trip down the hall. The building was unusually quiet. There weren't the regular sounds of chatty backpackers, the clinking of glasses, or music that would normally leak through the walls. There was nothing. It was hushed like a church after the congregation has left. I found myself practically tiptoeing back. My room was near the end of the hall, and I couldn't shake the feeling that the corridor was darker than before. The few working lights were blinking as they struggled to stay lit, and it reminded me of a funhouse. 
A tightness began to fill my stomach, and I subconsciously quickened my steps. There wasn't a soul behind me, yet I kept glancing back over my shoulder, convinced I'd see someone gaining momentum on me. The only sound was the soft thud of my flip-flops as they struck my soles. I was flooded with relief as I flung open my door, but it didn't last long. Everything was exactly as I left it, except for the silky nightgown, which was now back on my bed. Sleep came in fits and starts. I left the lamp on for a while, still convinced my roommate would be right back, but the shadows it cast made the room even spookier, although it was too dark with the light off. I'd finally slipped into a deep sleep when I suddenly heard the door open. A man stood in the darkened doorway, the hall light behind him showing just enough for me to see his contorted face. I didn't mean to, he sobbed. You have to help me. Too confused and disoriented to be scared, I sat up, scrubbed my eyes, and reached for the lamp switch. But once the room was lit, I saw that the door was closed. There was no man. I quickly bounded off the bed and went for the door. It was locked. Nobody could have entered without a key. And the hallway? Empty. I passed the rest of the night fully clothed, sitting up in bed, with the lights on. Though I'd paid for two more nights, at 7am I gathered all my stuff and went down to the reception desk to check out. By the way, I said to the 20-something receptionist, my roommate never returned. I'm a little concerned. She picked up the room key, looked at it hard, frowned, and then glanced at her computer. What room are you in again? When I repeated it to her, she looked back at her screen. Ma'am, that room's been empty for three weeks, and it's been clean since then. We only have six people in the whole building right now. I never went back to the room to verify, but I'm sure my imagination wasn't running away with me. All the belongings, the magazines, and the nightgown that I had had in my hands two times, they were there. The hostel is now long gone, renovated and transformed into a luxury hotel. But even now, 15 years later, I find myself wondering, whatever happened to my roommate? I live in a medium-sized apartment building in a fairly major city. While the neighborhood I live in is more on the safe side, gun violence is very high in my city as a whole, and we have a big trafficking problem. Despite this, I feel pretty safe going out, especially close to my apartment building where it's mostly well lit, but last night, I got a reminder that my safety isn't guaranteed, and I've been pretty shaken ever since. Last night around midnight, I asked my partner if he wanted to share a joint with me, and when he declined, I locked the apartment and went downstairs by myself. The exit I take spits me out on the main street, where there is still the occasional car driving by at this time. Usually, this type of human presence comforts me walking late at night. But tonight, a lone, black, dark blue van approached in my peripheral and started to drive slowly, matching my walking pace until I rounded the corner and the van was stopped by a stoplight. I found it very strange at the time, but the van was on the other side of the street and there were one or two other cars around, so I just brushed it off. Around the corner, there's a little food truck area with a bunch of picnic tables. They have like Christmas string lights hung up and a few other ambient lights that are kept on the whole night, but it barely illuminates the area. As I'm walking past the picnic tables, I notice a large man dressed in dark clothes sitting alone at one of the back tables. He was wearing a hood or a hat, so I couldn't see his whole face, 
but his eyes followed me as I walked the border of the picnic area. My usual smoke spot is behind a fence on the other side of the picnic area. I was a little shaken by spotting that man, and also I didn't want to upset him by smoking near him, so I chose a slightly further spot against the side of a construction vehicle. I lit my joint and start puffing away and reading something on my phone. I soon start getting this really uneasy sensation. It felt like all my hairs were standing up, and I got the most intense goosebumps I've ever felt. My phone was still playing music, and as I turned it off, I heard this shifting and rustling of gravel on the ground behind me. I swung my head around and saw a man reaching towards me with his huge hands. I only caught a glimpse of his face before I fell to the ground. His eyes were wide, bulging, and extremely dark. They terrified me. His mouth was agape, and he was basically snarling at me. He scared me so bad I fell to the ground, stumbled, and broke into a run all in like one second. I ran for a few moments before I peeked behind my shoulder and saw him a couple yards behind me. At this point, I saw it was definitely the man who was sitting at the picnic table, and I now saw he was wearing what looked like a dirty bucket hat. He had shoulder-length dirty light-colored hair and was way taller than me, so at least six foot. He was definitely gaining on me, as I had lost ground by turning around and I'm not in the best of shape to begin with. I was about to reach the first entrance to the building, but the issue was, one, there were double doors at this entrance that closed quite slowly, and two, the only way up was an elevator, so if he got inside with me, I was SOL. I kept running, taking my chances with my running ability versus quickly opening doors ability. I kept running along the side of the building to get to the second entrance. This one is just two single doors, which opened to the stairwell up to my apartment. As I'm nearing this entrance, I see another man who appears to be speed walking directly towards me from the opposite direction. I should note that throughout this, I've been hearing the growling, snarling of the first guy behind me, and as the second man gets closer, I also hear his growling. I reach the keypad, unlock the first door, and quickly slam it closed behind me until I hear the lock click again. The second man reached the door first. I saw his face more clearly as it slammed against the glass window of the door. He was also tall, with longer hair, and I remember he was wearing overalls. But I mostly remember his wild eyes and his teeth that he gnashed at me right before I turned away, opened the second door, and booked it up the stairs. I didn't stop until I was in my apartment, had all the doors locked, and was under the covers. I think in retrospect, I didn't hear any sign of them following me up the stairs, but I was so convinced they were still on my tail. I think the only reason I got away from them was that they didn't know about the side entrance to my building, so they didn't expect me to keep running past the first. I got up to get my inhaler, as I was near having an asthma attack at this point, and peeked out the window. My heart sank. I saw the same van that had creeped me out earlier parked across the street from the entrance to my building. I then looked down to see three men pacing along the side of the building, including the two that had chased me. I ducked down, fearing that they would see me. A few minutes later, they start shining flashlights into the windows of apartments. At first, I think of course it's only my apartment, but after a while, it's clear they're just searching for me. At this point, I try to call my building manager to let him know about the situation, and he sent out a text alert to our entire building. I was so paranoid another innocent person would be accosted by them, so I called the police. They told me they were on their way and to stay out of the window in case they were armed. A few minutes later, 
the men are spooked by a faraway police siren and get in the van to peel away. I think it was from a different 911 call though, because when the officer arrived to our building, the siren wasn't on. I spent a long sleepless night thinking that they'd come back, but they never did. Definitely going to avoid being alone at night from now on. I asked one of the homeless guys I'm friendly with if he saw anything suspicious last night, but he said he hadn't. They couldn't have been residents because they didn't leave after management sent the alert to us. The part that sticks with me the most is the growling and intense look in both of their eyes. I don't know if they were on drugs or what. They never said any words to me or each other. Haven't heard any updates from the cops, but it's only been a few hours and they didn't seem that interested in my statement as the van had disappeared when they left. Even if I never see those snarling men again, it'll still be too soon. Yesterday, my daughter and I went to one of those app-based games. It's like a scavenger hunt, but digital. We had to follow the map, it asked questions, and we had to solve riddles. Things like that. The theme is one of our favorite books and movies. She and I went to the game with some of our friends and their kids about the same age. There were hundreds of people in costumes roaming around downtown trying to save the person in the game. My daughter has a very rare health issue. I won't go into details for privacy reasons. And everything was fine until she wasn't. We had to leave early before the game was even nearly done. So we start our walk back to our car that was parked in a parking garage run by the city. We took our time walking there but got back relatively quickly. The elevator apparently was broken, so we had to walk up three floors. I tell my daughter we can take our time, and her equipment is in the car. As we're walking to the stairwell, a man follows us in. The hair on my neck stands up. I get a chill, and goosebumps all over. I carry pepper spray on my keyring. I tell my daughter to walk right in front of me, and take her time. I unlock the trigger on the pepper spray, this man could have walked around us at any point, and he didn't. He stayed right behind us. When we get to the third level, I have my arm locked right around hers. Our car is the first one, right there next to the stairwell. He follows us out the door. I quickly unlock my car and pretty much throw my daughter in before I lock the door. I turn around to face him. He looks at me, doesn't say a word, and walks back into the stairwell. There was no one in the parking garage, at all. All the employees had already left for the day, and there are no cameras in this specific garage. Knowing this now, I would have absolutely picked a different place to park. Now it leaves me wondering, was that elevator even really broken? Because I don't remember seeing signs on the door when we got there. We didn't ride the elevator down because my daughter likes taking the stairs, but going down is way easier for her than going up. With that question in mind, it leads me back to this man. Was he simply lying in wait, being patient for whomever was going to walk through those doors first? And finally, was he after me or my daughter? 